Before we jump into this episode, let's hear from Brian and Concerts That Made Us podcast. Wait, so you like concerts, podcasts, and music, and you don't listen to Concerts That Made Us podcast? Oh man, you're missing out. You've got to head over there straight away. They have interviews with the best up-and-coming bands, as well as some famous ones thrown in the mix too. And don't even get me started on the concert stories. Oh man, are they wild. That's Concerts That Made Us podcast. New episodes every Thursday on all podcast players. We're good to go. I'm not. Oh, shit. <laughs> My popcorn just here. like slid off. That was weird. Uh, give me a moment. Man, you gotta you some gremlins. Man. It's like, of course, anything that's going to go wrong is going to happen right now. Yeah, I started coughing. Your, your uh, <laughs> mic fell apart. <laughs> oh, this is, we're off to a fantastic start. Oh, I, don't man. I don't know. Maybe I, don't know, I heard there's an asteroid coming dangerously close to Earth. So maybe that will hit. I don't know. <laughs> well, because we needed to find a way to make 2022 worse than the last two years. <sighs> It sounds hard, but also easy at the same time. <laughs> it's true. It's like, oh, I can't get any worse. That's me in 2020. Yeah. Well, everyone said that 2020 was their year, and that just messed everything up. Does that give a weird blue glow? Look at this. Isn't this the coolest thing ever? Nice. I, it's not really practical because, like, nobody else sees it but me, and it gives that weird blue glow. But I kept telling my wife, I was like, you know, on, on Full House that uh, – um, Jesse had like the, the red bulb outside of the basement door when they were in the basement recording. I was like, I'm going to get one of those. She's like, there's not a chance in hell. <laughs> like, good. Just be quiet all the time then and assume I'm recording. <laughs> I might have to get one of those for mine too. Right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Unorthodox start to this interview. Hello everyone. I am Matthew Thomas. This is super cool radio. I got a good friend joining me for this episode. You may remember I appeared on his show last year. Hailing from north of the border, please welcome the host of every podcast I love is dead, Nolan Gunther. That is quite the intro. Thank you, sir. Hey, I like to make my intro stand out a little bit. I put a lot of, you know, tens of seconds into that. <laughs> tens of seconds. <laughs> <laughs> but before we start... I got a very serious question. I'm hitting you with some very hard questions right out of the gate. Good. Yeah, that's always the best thing to do. Pepsi or Coke? My man, it's always Coke. I am a Coke guy. I know that we're going to uh, definitely be divided on that topic, but uh, yeah, it's always been Coke for me. 
well, this is going to be a very awkward interview. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know what? With Pepsi, everything that they make besides Pepsi is delicious. I love seven up and what is it? Sierra mist. And depending on where you are in the States, uh, they bottle Dr. Pepper in Canada. They bottle Dr. Pepper. Um, so, but Pepsi itself can't do it. No way. No how. All right. Well, the interview is done now. I'm I've <laughs> done. That's the hard hitting news for the day. That's for sure. I'm more of a water guy myself though. I just guzzle gallons of it a day. Honestly, I probably should start doing that more. Uh, gotta cut some weight. Gotta, gotta keep the physique of only seeing this part of me. <laughs> it's like you look very, very svelte from this point up, and then it's like nobody ever gets to see the bottom half of us, and it's like, holy shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Until I start doing in-person interviews like later this spring, and I go... I probably should uh, cut some weight a little bit. <laughs> That'll be the best part about post-pandemic when everything fully returns to normal is people will be like, oh my God, you really let yourself go? It's like, correction, I had let myself go years ago. You just couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> I did it better in 2019 than 2020 happened. I said, forget it. I'm done. <laughs> you put me on video and everything's fine. And then I'll have to meet in person when I can't even do up my pants or button up a shirt. And it's like... <sighs> All right. <laughs> That's why I like basketball shorts, sweatpants, sweatshirts. That's the go-to stuff. Yeah, yeah. Back in the 90s, it was like you dress baggy just because that was the style. Now you dress baggy because, well, for me, I got the dad bod, so it covers that up a little bit. See, I'm, well, I'm not dead yet, so I can't, I can't claim that yet. So I have to be in shape. What do you call the dad bod if you're not a dad? I don't know. I did not have a quick response that I thought I would. <laughs> now I'm hitting you with the hard-hitting questions. <laughs> hey, this is my show. I'm not supposed to answer questions. <laughs> that's a good question. I don't know. I feel like Joseph would have a good answer for that. He's yeah, he probably good. would. Yeah. He's definitely got the quick wit. I have funny comments here and there, but uh, not so much on the – I have, like, the like the dial-up wit. I'll come up with it later. You need your tens of seconds to plan it beforehand. Exactly. I got you. I got you. Just like waking up at like 11 a.m. today, getting ready for this. How do you handle those early mornings? Well, you don't have to if you don't wake up in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't done that since I was a teenager, man. 11 o'clock is just unfathomable. So like four years ago? Yep. Yep. Just a few short years ago as I was graduating high school. And uh, yep. (laughs) All right, so I was so I you uh, I was on your show uh, last year, which I really appreciate. Really fun time chatting with you. We have become uh, obviously really good friends since then. Uh, actually, I think we we've interviewed a few bands as well. You know, Elsie Banks, whose shirt I got right now, the Almas, uh, Illusion of Grandeur, a bunch of great bands we share in common. Uh, but so, what's kind of your goals for this year of 2022 for every podcast that love is dead. I know you're expanding with, you know, adding a few uh, different shows as well. Yeah. You know, when you think uh, two podcasts isn't enough, then you layer on a third one and, and who knows, maybe by the end of the year, I'll be hosting like five or six different shows and just keep changing my name to make it work. Um, <laughs> as far as Epilid goes, uh, I really kind of want to keep in, in line with what I was doing. I think I've, 
um, taken the opportunity to kind of find the right format. You know, I took 2021 to kind of figure out what was going to work. I've cut out some things. I tried a few things last year that just didn't land, cut those out. Um, and then, you know, just be able to build on that this year. My, I guess, personal podcaster goal, though, is really to build a community and a network. And I mean, you and I have connected. We've got Joseph. We've got uh, Brian from... Um, the concerts that made us in Sydney from behind the behind. And we're just kind of gathering uh, Isaac from LTE podcast. Like we're gathering all these people in and we're building a great podcaster community. And then I want to expand that beyond and build like a great community for listeners, for the musicians that we talk to um, the creators of this stuff. So discord's actually been pretty handy in that. And that's been one of those like exiting 2021. I'm like, I need to figure out what the hell discord is and how to use it. Cause everybody's on there. 2021, I learned what Twitch was and, and kind of how to use it. 2022 was like, all right, let's figure out, let's figure out discord. It definitely, it, we were part of a, a really awesome community of great podcasters. Um, you know, many of, of whom you've introduced me to, you know, obviously bringing me in. And I didn't know anything about Discord either until you said, hey, join this, and then, hey, join this one, and then, hey, join this one. <laughs> and pretty soon we've got, like, 12 different Discord servers, and we're it's only us that are part of all of them so far. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so far yet. So we, far yet. We'll bring everybody else in. Yeah, we're, or, or just have to start making those fake, fake bots again, because that was a great experiment. Yeah, yeah, the bots were certainly uh, the least helpful thing I've seen on the internet in a long time. Um, <laughs> for those that are unaware, you can add bots to your Discord server, and um, they're supposed to be helpful. They aren't. They they were completely useless. So, uh, but as we talked about, it helped me take the violence off of you and put it onto the bots. So that's always good news. It's good you uh, you pick uh, you choose violence for uh, stuff that. Uh, they can't fight back. It's all great. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, how did you get started with every podcast I love is that? I know you kind of explained this in a few different interviews as well, but I know that you started with like actual uh, radio and stuff. So how was it like coming up with a podcast? So I'd wanted to do podcasts for years. Uh, I always talked to buddies about it. I've got some really close friends who are just incredibly funny. And I always thought, you know, it'd be great if we just like put a mic in the room and recorded ourselves. But one thing that you realize when you get older is it's very hard to wrangle in your friends, especially when they become parents and are married and kind of move on with their lives. Um, a lot of the same reason why music didn't really work out for me because it was just hard to find those dudes to jam with after a certain point. So I had been thinking about podcasting for years. Um, the pandemic really kind of forced a lot of change for us. And the fact that like, I've been working from home now since March of 2020. Um, and you save on this commuting to and from uh, your job site. And um, you get to kind of just, you're in this home world for so long. Um, so I, I was kind of just trying to look for opportunities to fill up my time a little bit. I will mute that. <laughs> I don't even know why it beeped. It is on mute. Anyway. There's those ghosts again. Yeah, right? Um, so just looking for opportunities to, to fill my time with something. Um, radio was something I went to school for. I went through college uh, to become a radio 
not necessarily a radio broadcaster. Like we did on air, we talked about, you know, how to structure breaks and host a show and do all those sorts of things. But I really took to the behind the scenes stuff. I love doing audio production. I loved recording others. I loved putting together like commercial copy and um, doing scripts and that sort of thing. So none of that worked out for me, by the way. I, I left college and uh, I was like, what do I want to do with my life? And I ended up in telecom uh, for 14 years and that became my life and my career. So when that opportunity kind of came to its end, I, I changed careers and changed lifestyles and then ended up working from home. It was, um, well, what, what do I really love? And the answer is music. I've always been obsessed with music. Music is my world um you know it's like my family music and football those are like the top of the list um so it was easy to figure out the topic uh and i really kind of wanted to make the show that was like rock metal punk let's talk about the music that i love if you don't love it too bad i'm talking about it today um didn't really expect to have guests or do the interview thing off the hop, but quickly I realized, and you know, I was trying to do everything by the book when I started the podcast. Um, you know, I didn't play any copywritten music. Uh, I didn't use any sort of material that, you know, um, would constitute plagiarism or anything like that. So you quickly realize that on a podcast where you're talking about music, but not playing the music, kind of sucks. So I ended season one at the end of uh, December after three episodes, and then kind of went back to the, to the uh, whiteboard and planned out what 2020, 2021 was going to look like. Started season two. Um, after I think one episode or two episodes, started booking guests, doing that sort of thing. By about mid-year, I was like, screw it. I'm just going to play music. I'm going to play clips of music. I'm promoting these bands. I'm promoting these artists. Um, there's no financial gain. You don't get into podcasting to make money. So, uh, <laughs> right? I don't know if you what? knew this. Um, I know your show is is very marketable and, and you're making thousands a month. But uh, for somebody like me, who's still pretty new... <laughs> ish <laughs> it's always an ish so yeah that's uh that's been the journey we're into season three now on epilid i'm gonna keep it as like a yearly season start rather than like hey you started a show in december and ended it in december what's the deal with that so that's my very very long answer to your question well i appreciate it, it gave me a lot of time to think about stuff and respond to it <laughs> tens of seconds of, it's kind of funny yeah there's tens of seconds again <laughs> That's, that's just going to be the running gag for stuff now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but very similar to how I started as well. I know we're obviously, um, without giving away too much, we're in a, you know, obviously a little generational gap with, uh, you know, where, where we come from and stuff. And, yeah, yeah, I think uh, you're a couple of years older than me, so. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe like three or four, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, I, I'm the elder statesman of this. <laughs> at least an experience <laughs> maybe maybe on how not to do stuff <laughs> which is going to lead to another point i want to make in a minute but uh starting out like you're not maybe not timid but like you know obviously like okay gotta follow the rules with this stuff gotta you know gotta get this gotta you know you can't play this music because it's from this person and stuff but then after a while you kind of realize like Unless they have like an like to me, it's I would think it'd be honored if I could get a cease and desist from somebody going, "Hey, stop playing our music." I think right. that would be something. 
It's like somebody listened to my podcast somewhere that actually is important enough to like send me a cease and desist. This is fantastic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> legal issues are fun. Yeah. Especially yeah. cross border legal issues. I'm sure that would be real, real wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know what kind of stuff you have in Canada. Probably some weird stuff, but no offense to anyone. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Mounties just ride their uh, their horses around the community, patrolling for any sort of uh, any sort of legal issues. You know, misuse of maple syrup, uh, unauthorized uh, street hockey. Um, you know, flannel uh, uh, problems, not wearing enough flannel, not wearing enough denim, all those sorts of things. It's it's tricky living in Canada. There's a lot of suppression on on who you can be as a as a person. So. <laughs> Uh, I gotta be careful what I say because, like, Canada is like my second biggest uh, country of like of listenership and viewership. So I'm not gonna say too much, but I, I will ask: Do you own a, a, a Canadian tuxedo? I don't. You know, it's funny. I don't own a lot of denim in general. Um, and I did, I asked my wife for a uh, denim coat for Christmas um, from Old Navy, oddly enough. It was like a Sherpa line denim coat. Um, but I've got this weird like body proportion. Uh, I'm tall, but my legs are very short. But my upper body then stretches out quite a bit. So I go to put on this coat uh, that I got for Christmas and it's like up to my nipples. Like it's a, it's like a belly coat at this point. So it was just kind of awkward. I was like, okay, I can't really pull that off. I'm mostly a hoodie guy anyways. Uh, and only when it's cold will I wear jeans. So no Canadian tuxedo. I do own a fair amount of flannel though. I do enjoy a good flannel shirt. See, I'm like the opposite. Like, I got like a bunch of pair of jeans, and like, uh, I don't have any jackets yet. But I used to when I was younger. I had like a denim uh, actual shirt, but uh, I don't have any flannel. Which I mean, I live in Indiana, but I, still, people wear flannel here because it's you know, like, 32 degrees here, freezing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I don't have any flannel. So, good time to invest. I heard the flannel market's doing really well right now. Um, you can start trading it like Bitcoin. So get oh, really? in while it's hot. I uh, I still have to get into that too because I never got into that. No, I use a, I use a trading app. I got into a little bit of like day trading last year. Uh, and when I say that, people are always like, oh yeah, like you must have money to invest. I don't. So I took 20 bucks and I was like, I'm going to buy a stock. Uh, so I went in and I bought a stock and it happened to do okay. So I used the profit from that stock to buy more stock uh and now i think i'm at like 55 dollars worth of stock but at one point they messaged me and they were like we're now trading cryptocurrencies uh and you can buy fractional cryptocurrencies so i was like oh i don't even know how that works so that one dissuaded me a little bit but while i was looking at that i was like oh i can buy into tesla on a fractional uh of a currency so i own like a point zero 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 one percent of a tesla stock so i'm kind of a big deal I, I I didn't realize I was talking to someone who, who's such a big deal. I don't think I'm worthy of doing this interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even drive a Tesla. Uh, you can't afford them. They're a lot more affordable in the states than they are up here. They're still kind of expensive, though. Yeah, they can they're, be, and they're not very practical because, like, I've seen like maybe three charging stations in all yeah. the city. <laughs> well, that's a big problem in Canada. Is that? So anybody who's kind of along that two hours from the border, two, three hours from the U.S. border, 
you're okay. But you go up beyond that and it's like no man's land. Nothing exists that far. There's friggin' polar bears walking around everywhere. And moose. Uh, and moose. Yeah. Well, we're, I could show you a picture. My buddy just took a picture of a moose uh, the other day in his front yard, which was, yeah, that's pretty cool. But you're in a city. So it's also kind of like, uh, are we taking their land away? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's no charging station. So I know that there was uh, a lot of funding that was put towards like, okay, we're going to at least take the trans Canada highway and we're going to put charging stations along there. So that'll be good. But, uh, I'm a camper. So in the summertime, you know, we take out our trailer and there is no way I'm going to make it anywhere on an electric vehicle. So until they get that figured out, I'm sticking with my gas guzzling F one fifty. Oh no, Ford. Oh no. <laughs> oh, I got another strike against me, do I? <laughs> yeah, I don't nope. This is going really well. You know, we were friends coming into this and then we'll just choose violence and we'll be enemies going out of it. It's perfect. Yeah, we're just gonna hate each other for uh for life now. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and just wait for you know, when I bring on Joseph, that's gonna be an interesting show. Yeah, that one should be should be a lot of fun. If he gets back to me, he still he keeps blowing me off. I love that we're in the same Discord server and we literally talk like all day long and yeah. he's still like, nah, I'm not going to bother responding to that. I mean, I understand. I wouldn't respond to me either if I wasn't me. So that's all right. Well, he's an RC Cola guy, which I thought was an unusual choice to pick in that yeah. Cola war. It is good. Is it? I don't I don't even think that we have RC I, in Canada I anymore. I don't think so. It, it's no. like a Midwest to like where he lives in like Texas. It's like Kind of like the Midwest and like the South Central. Hmm. I don't feel like I'm missing out on much in all honesty. So you're missing out on everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> if shipping rates weren't so expensive, I would send you a case. Knowing <laughs> the uh, the postal service, it would get there and all the cans would be destroyed and busted open and all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because the only thing worse than the U.S. Postal Service is Canada Post. I, really? That is yeah. actually. I'm I'm very surprised because like. I, I, I don't like my per, my postal service. Do you, do you don't even get your stuff then? Um, from time to time, we'll get it. You know, if FedEx or Pure Later delivers it. Uh, if we have to wait for Canada Post, generally there's no tracking numbers. There's no accountability. If they lose something, it's your fault. Uh, this is where I lose my sponsorship from Canada Post. So I guess I'm throwing it all out on the line here. <laughs> Oh, any other people you don't like? We got we got Bor, we got Candle in general, we got Canadian Post. Uh, man, we're just hitting all the high spots. We're yeah, doing... really, we're just knocking them all down and really limiting our chances of monetizing <laughs> our shows. Well, I, I gave up on that long ago, <laughs> so I'm I'm okay with it. I'm just gonna get all the hate mail. Hey, this Nolan guy talked about Canadian Post. Hey, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Man. Oh, this is none of this was ever. I had stuff lined out I wanted to talk about, but honestly, I like where we're going when we're just talking about this stuff. Yeah, well, listeners of my show tend to to know how much I digress, uh, especially on my guest interviews, because we'll be talking music, and then all of a sudden, we're talking horror movies, obscure horror movies from the '80s, and then like video games from our childhood. And um, I think it all serves the greater purpose; it comes together. But uh, maybe for for some listeners who who don't want to focus on 12 different topics at once uh it might be a little bit challenging to follow i mean it's kind of fun and my, the way i plan interviews is like i'll plan out the stuff that i want to talk about like just in case i i get stuck or like i want to move on 
But like honestly, after I ask like the first question, it's usually out the window where we'll I'll just start going in some certain direction or we start talking about something. Uh, but how is that with you? Like how how do you plan out like your interviews for stuff? Like I have a whole like whole ass note of stuff. What do you do? Because I know I've heard you've been slacking lately. Lately, I have. You know, I messaged you guys on Sunday night, being like, "Hey, I've got an interview on Monday at noon. I haven't done any prep, uh, and I kind of don't feel like doing any prep." Um, I say that though, and I'm like. I'm one of those procrastinators who's amazing in the like zero hour because I like I'll, I'll burn through uh, uh, an artist's music and consume everything they have on social media and their website and then like all of a sudden I've got a whole list of questions. But um, I, I would say my preparation used to be better uh, in the sense of like I understood more of the backstory of the band. Now I've kind of left it so it's like I want to learn, so I'm going to ask you questions. Um, like your fans would ask you questions like what do they want to know about the band and that sort of thing and majorly it goes okay but when you have a guest who doesn't like to talk or has very simple like yes no answers and that's some on me like sometimes i'll ask those closed-ended questions where it's like all right i should have asked that a little bit better um but yeah when they're when you're really struggling it's it's challenging so you're looking you know whatever notes you have prepared to just like pull something out of your ass um but a lot of times what i find is like even the minimal notes i've prepared and the questions i want to ask somehow get answered long before i ever ask them and when that comes up it's just like all right time to pivot let's go that direction let's focus on that uh, and then find my place later on yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I, I used to like really prepare out stuff, but I feel like if you're over, like if you're just super prepared, like you kind of know everything already, then it's not as fun. There's no intrigue, there's no mystery to it. And like some of my interviews that I had a really good time with, I was not as prepared as I, you know, as I usually am. And we just had a really great conversation. Yeah. Yeah, that's really what it's about. And that's the the hope, I think, of, of most podcasters is it to like at least just capture a moment where it's authentic, where it's real, where you're having a good conversation with somebody that would really play well to fans and listeners that weren't part of that conversation, but now they can feel like they're part of it. Um, yeah, those are those are good feelings when that happens. Well, it definitely is. And I mean, I feel like like all, all the interviews I've done, I feel like I'm still learning how to do an interview and like still like, you know, doing better with like how I say stuff, like what you do. And like the, the thing, like I know you haven't, I don't think you've experienced this yet, like the in-person interviews, like I was telling you about that, like my last one last year. Uh, it's super stressful, like to set it up, where to do it, how to do it. And you only get, I, I get like maybe 10 minutes, you know, for like those in-person at venue shows. And um, it, it's it's cool because like you did it, it was fun, but like it is super stressful to set up. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe one benefit of my show is I haven't <clears throat> haven't really gone the YouTube route yet. I have a YouTube channel, I'll upload trailers, but I'm not posting my episodes on there. I record all my guests when we do our our conversations. I use Zoom, um, so it's available. I've got it. I just I've never really been a video guy, and it's slowly i'm kind of learning it um but yeah not having video makes it so that it's like well i can interview anybody in the world just play the audio and it's kind of like we're together anyways minus a few of those you know often um audio glitches and that sort of thing 
which you kind of you kind of bring up a good point. Um, Segway. Yeah, that was, that was you're doing my <laughs> job for me. I guess I should just leave. But uh, I don't know how I, I don't know unless you like an actual podcaster, you work in radio or broadcasting or something like that which I know not all of our listeners or viewers or fans do. I don't know if anyone really understands how much actually goes into making an episode, even if it's just audio where I do like audio only episodes because like, Oh, I said that kind of weird or there's an awkward pause there. You can just cut that out. And no one will ever notice. Video yeah. is different. I, if I have a weird pause or if I make a stupid face or something, you kind of can't eliminate that without someone going, huh, that's a weird cut because you were here and now you're over here. <laughs> it's it's not as good, uh, you know, it's not as easy to do. But, like, how much for you? Like, what's your, like, editing uh, process? Like, what do you use? How do you put a show together? Oh, man, that, that's a good question. Um, again, that's kind of a learning experience. You kind of pick up stuff along the way. Um, and, yeah, for anybody who's listening who's never put together – a show, done a podcast, done a radio show, created a movie, a video, whatever it might be. The easiest part of that is just the conversations, like talking to a guest, easiest part of the whole thing. And then you get to the post and you've got to do all that editing and you've got to, you know, make sure things sound great. And and for my show, like I'll have the interview, but I also do, you know, my, my intros, I talk about new music releases, uh, talk about upcoming, um, shows and that sort of thing. So then there's also my voice that I've got added in there. So I've never really been a stranger to a digital audio workstation. I mean, um, in college, I grew up using them. Post-college, I was working with a few dance studios to create music uh, for them. I've been in the recording uh, booth before as, as a musician and watched like producers do their thing. Um, but when you start out, unless you are, you know, you've got tons of money and, and you know, anything is really at your fingertips, finding what you want to use is a little bit of a challenge, but finding the right thing and not having either the right equipment, the money to pay for licenses, uh, whatever it might be, that's where that new challenge comes in. So you look for things that are free or cheap and you try and work with those until you can't. Um, I've been really fortunate. I mean, uh, I think you do your podcast through Anchor, at least you use that for distribution. Um, and Anchor is what I went to right off the hop. Uh, I know that there's a few others that are out there. I think Joseph uses Buzzsprout for his. Um, that was a good thing because Anchor's free. Anchor will distribute your podcast. This that sounds like a commercial. I'll distribute your podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's true. Like, it just takes all the guesswork out of it. It's just like if you're a musician right now and you aren't using DistroKid, go figure out DistroKid because it does the same thing as Anchor. It takes your music and it puts it everywhere. So you don't have to figure it out for yourself. Um, and I find that's a big challenge too right off the hop is, is like, okay, I've done this. What do I do with it? How do I get it out there? Um, and then, so along with, with Anchor, they've actually got a, um, a tool called Soundtrap. Soundtrap is for musicians and podcasters, and it's owned by Spotify, much like Anchor. So it's like, just when I use all my Google, wait, okay, are you Android or iPhone? 
Uh, man, I feel like we're just gonna keep going. Uh, I, I am Android, so okay, okay. At least oh, we're on the same page there. Yeah. Wow, I'm. I was expecting something else. All right. Um, wow. <clears throat> Although that can be contentious amongst uh, creators, because I know Apple has a lot of tools that do make life a little bit easier. But nonetheless, um, I don't even know where I was going with that. Well, I'll jump in real quick. Uh, what, I, what I was going to say, uh, Apple's great for their products they have, but the problem is, at least that I find, is that they don't play well with anything else. Like Unless you have all yeah. Apple, it's like, it's like all Microsoft too. It, unless you continue having all those same programs they're not going to work outside of that i think that's what i was going for is like the whole concept of like living in one ecosphere everything kind of works together uh, much like google does spotify does the same for podcasters with having tools like anchor and having soundtrap so soundtrap is a cloud-based uh digital audio workstation that in my opinion does way more than alternatives. I do use Audacity, which again is a free program, and there's a lot that you can do with Audacity, but what Soundtrap has built into it is a lot of samples, loops, sound effects that are free. There's also a paid subscription where you can use more of that stuff. And if you're a music creator, you can also take like samples and, and beats and that sort of thing and, and loop those in if you wanted to. Um, so I found that right off the hop and I've been using it ever since. So even though the show's grown, um, I've purchased better equipment and, and have sort of a better setup than I did when it was just uh, a USB microphone inside of a little foam box that I made. Um, so things have evolved past that point. I actually, for guest interviews, I would put it up on a, um, a laundry basket. So it was at the right elevation. Anyways, things have changed, um, but I'm still using a lot of those tools. And then it's the behind-the-scenes tools that, that I use, too. I know you're a Canva user. Canva is just, like, here's where I start gaining favor with a lot of companies. I've shit-talked a lot, and now I'm talking about companies where I'm like, use these. These are great. Canva is amazing. It's been a nice uh, ad for uh, Anchor and now Canva. Yeah. yeah that was uh, the kind of thing I want to talk about. It's like the social media side, too. Oh, like, man. Like, I love your artwork. Like, no Thank joke, you. your artwork and your social media work looks amazing. Like, I'm trying to, like, get my level up. Like, you, honestly, like, watching your stuff is, like, really inspired me to, like, do better production. Like, I'm making... You know, like uh, I had some videos coming out, like just teaser um, videos where like I've actually put more effort into making everything look super professional instead of me just like, yeah, I mean, there's a picture it works, but like now we have, we got flames, we got moving images, we got video, we got all this stuff to make it's it look science, cooler. man. Flames make everything cooler. Exactly. And I love using like blue flame because, you know, yeah. super cool radio, it just, it makes, it just works so well. But yeah, with Canva, like I have Canva Pro. I know you're working on getting Canva Pro uh, hopefully <laughs> soon, eventually in a few months. I'm dying, man. I got that free trial and it's about to run out. And I'm like, I don't know if I can live without it. I, I was doing, I was doing like Canva, the basic Canva for like six months. I was like, hey, it's, it works. I don't have all the cool, you know, graphics and videos and all effects and all that stuff. But I was like, yeah, I was making it work. And then um, I was trying to make like a shattered glass logo for a band uh, for my one of my videos. And I was like, all right, I need that specific one because that's the only one that looks good. And it was, you know, a pro option. So I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm just going to go for it. I'll buy it. 
And that was, I think, uh, like October, I think yeah, October. And I was like, okay, I'm never going back to the basic yeah. Canva because it just, everything that I want, that I want to make, is there yeah it's it's so convenient and like i've been using the the free option as well and it's so robust even as a free tool for what you can do and i've gotten around a few things like i'll if i look for an image and it's a, a pro level image i'll just google something that i want use that upload it you're good to go um like and then background right yeah like <laughs> i'll always find the cheapest way to do stuff um and then like background remover like pro allows you to do background removal but i would just go to bgremover.com upload an image remove it that way then re-upload it put it into mm -hmm. canva and there's a lot more steps so anything that you can do to save on clicks is really where you want to be so having it all in one environment oh my god it makes life easier and it helps things get a little bit better and um pushes your boundaries a little bit. So I was always using it just for cover art. I would use it to make like some banners for Facebook and stuff like that. But now I'm like, you can do videos in here. You can, you can do audio, you can put together like animations. I'm like, this is way more powerful than, than any other tool that I'm using. So I may, may drop a little bit of coin. Like I've still got five, six months on the video editing software that I use. But I'm almost willing to kind of eat that and, and just swing over to, to Canva and just do everything in there because it is so much better. The intro videos that you can make are so powerful. And um, yeah, I'm not sponsored by Canva yet. Hopefully soon. <laughs> I, I hope I, I am too because I, I'm going to say this right now. If any like, starting out podcasters or anyone who hasn't really explored too much of what's out there, definitely check out Canva. Like It's it's great. Um, they give you like uh, the uh, Instagram posts, which we we kind of both share. You know the same kind of uh, feelings about Instagram. I won't go too far into that. <laughs> uh, but like for my, all my posters, I used to just make like poster size or like digital poster size, and that would work on Facebook and Twitter, but it wouldn't work on IG without you know looking like this much of it. Yeah. Now I it, it, I just use all my flyers as Instagram posts and it fits on every platform. And I think that's really helped. It actually makes everything look a lot better. Yeah. Um, Instagram is one of those tools. And I know you didn't want to get into it too much, but um, as far as social media goes, Instagram is that one that's still so elusive to me. I, I can't wrap my head around it. For instance, you know, I do my, my podcast trailers when I've got a new episode, those drop on Tuesday, new episode drops on Thursday. Uh, and I film my videos in 16 by nine because nobody wants to look at a, a four by three square. So when I upload it to Instagram, cause it does allow you to do that now, um, it defaults to the four by three and I just change it to 16 by nine. Cool. And I always create YouTube uh, thumbnails. So those are in 16 by nine, allows you to update those, those thumbnails. Cool. Then you post it, your videos in 16 by nine, but your thumbnail is in four by three and you get like half of what was supposed to be there. And you're like, why? Why does this look like crap? Why is this not easy to do? And if you go over to Facebook and use like the creator tool in Facebook, um, which ties to Instagram, it doesn't allow you to upload a video over one minute. So it too is kind of useless. So it's been a frustrating one um, to get that one figured out. But oddly enough, it is 
I get engagement through there in a different way, but the engagement is still pretty good through Instagram. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to talk about the issues of Instagram and Facebook, but now since we're here, I've experienced the same things. Like the, the video part's fine, but like it's getting the thumbnails and like usually it's like a picture of the band and all you see is like their like neck down, like their head gets chopped off or something stupid. And it's like, it's so hard to even like uh, make thumbnails for that because like you still have to guess because even if you get a four by three, it could look some, it, it still messes it up somehow. I don't know how it's an art form, I guess, to, to be that bad at that. But um, <laughs> yeah, that, like Instagram and Twitter are just, I, I have to, obviously you have to use it to grow. You have to use other platforms. Like I just, I exclusively started out on Facebook and that's why like my audience is big on Facebook, but like I don't have anything else anywhere else or not as much just because I didn't, I only started that like less than a year ago. And the, the problem is on Twitter for me, I write so much. I write thought out descriptions and everything. And <laughs> on Twitter, you, I get like maybe two sentences and it's like, oh, sorry, you're, you're out of characters. You know, uh, one thing I will say about Twitter forcing you to have fewer characters is you realize how much fluff you put in your descriptions. I'm not saying you, but for me, I, I do the same. Um, and then I'm like, all right, I get, I don't know, what are they now? 240 characters? They used to be 140. Um, but yeah, it's like, okay, the two or three of the most important things, that's it, because I need room to hashtag, I need room to add you know, bands and that sort of thing. So uh, yeah, you learn, you learn to be succinct with Twitter. Yeah, and just like social media in, in, in general, it's a game. And honestly, mm. it, it's a game I, I lose pretty much all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just figuring out like what works, what like to me, uh, the thing that I'm really trying to focus on is like getting my engagement up with stuff on all the platforms. And I do okay with that. Um, but I just, I, I, that's like the challenge I find is like, I can have an amazing product and then it reaches eight people. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean about that. Like social media is very perplexing. And I know a lot of the bands that we listen to, a lot of bands that we interview, they're also kind of hit or miss with with social media. The ones that are hit and they've got 45,000 followers and they get 200 likes on every post that they put up. I found this unusual correlation where their episodes don't get a lot of listens. Meanwhile, there's a band with like eight followers on Facebook who blows away all of all of your listens in the past and so it doesn't it doesn't match up for me like there's social media but that almost exists as a separate entirety uh, separate entity from the product some bands have it figured out uh you know a good example is spirit box i think they're a band that figured out social media like nobody's business they managed to market themselves and become bigger than any band in modern metal landscape throughout this pandemic uh and without playing live music um but they're like magic that's like the the one once in a while thing that comes along and they got it figured out pretty quickly but a, a lot of others struggle with it i've talked to bands who are like i don't do social media I could put posters up on there all day long, but he's like, if I hand out posters, put them outside of the club, I get way more people showing up than if I put a poster on Facebook. And I'm like, yeah, I can respect that, man. Like a little bit of old school. That's how I grew up. I'd walk down, you know, uh, we've got a couple of, of major roadblocks in, in, in Calgary where I'm from that all the clubs are at. That's where you would go to see shows. You just look at any street lamp, any post, any mailbox, 
and go, okay, I want to go see that band. I want to go see this show. That was social media marketing uh, when I was a teenager. And, and even to, the, to a certain extent today, I'll still look at those posters because concert posters, and here I digress again, concert posters are one of those unique art forms that it's like, it doesn't exist anywhere else. Like, um, you know, movies don't need to market themselves that way. Um, you know, uh, live performances don't need to market themselves that way, but there's this niche for live music where even bands, huge bands, I don't know, let's say Weezer, they'll put up a poster, uh, or their promoters, their street team will put up posters and it just seems like, okay, well, we've got this like small local band who's coming to play a show at this, you know, 500, uh, capacity club, uh, Weezer might not be the best example because they are not doing that. But there are other bands that are that are larger that that do things like that, and it's like, oh, what a cool, unique art form um, to to be able to enjoy is, is concert posters and, and flyers for shows. I definitely think so. Like the the old school kind of uh, menta- not mentality, but like the the ways of doing things. Like I know when if I ever go to like, a functions or uh, shows or anything like that. I, I used to pass out like business cards to people, but like people, what are non you know people in the business can do with business cards? So I switched to giving out super cool radio keychains, and I think that is a better way of doing it because like that's brilliant. People, yeah, see, I I, I I try to think about something. Now I need more keychains, but I'll work on that. I'll have to call up Amazon, um, or I guess I don't. They probably don't have phones. I'll have to text Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying all the corporations today, aren't I? Um, but uh, where I was going with that was that uh, the digital space, the metaverse, if you will, because that's a new term now that people are using for it, uh, it's great, it, but it only gets you so far. It still needs the, the human aspect of I have to actually physically talk to this person, I have to see this band, or this person a fan of the band, I interviewed this band, here's a keychain. That kind of stuff, and I think you need both. Because like I know I was talking to a few different people about that. And like, yeah, we just focus entirely on our digital stuff. But I was like, that's great. It's going to get you, you know, a good amount of places. But you still like because they didn't want to play live shows. And this was kind of like pre-pandemic thing, um, because they, they were just doing better online. But I was like, yeah, but you still need to play shows. <laughs> <what I'm> <laughs> yeah, people want to be able to enjoy the atmosphere at at a rock show and you know see that band that they've been listening to live i've talked to a few bands that are like that too and um i think for them it's a bit of a necessary evil you know where they're like i would rather stay at home on a saturday night and be with my family and you know sit down at my computer and and you know track my guitar that way than ever go to a live show or ever play a live show but we know that we have to we know that that's how we market ourselves that's how we get out there i think too a lot of people that are you know i'll say our age which is a broad scope but um as you start to you know get into your mid-20s and uh early sometimes late 30s uh you just realize that you know if you're in a band right now that isn't on a major label that isn't getting you know a million streams a month you're doing it for the love of music. You're not doing this to become world famous and, and you know, travel everywhere and, and, you know, play out sold out venues and that sort of thing. You're just doing it because you love music. And I almost, 
appreciate that mentality more than when I talk to folks who, regardless of their age, they just don't kind of get the reality of the music world and the industry that they're in and trying to become this viable resource in this music industry that it's like, there's a million bands that sound like you and only two of them are making it anywhere. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting industry, um, but it's also a very difficult industry, you know, for all the bands like Spirit Box to, you know, to make it and go places. There's probably a hundred other bands who didn't. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's unfortunate side of it, but also like, you know, the people I think we've both interviewed, they do it because they love it. And you can really see that when yeah. we interview them. Um, you know, they could play some great shows. They could have, you know, some great shows and stuff. But you could tell it's like they're not in it necessarily for the money. They're in it because this is what they want to do. You know, if they could, you know, live their dream of doing this and still getting paid, that would be amazing. But they kind of understand the reality of it, too. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it is, you know, if you're doing something because you love it and you're passionate about it and sure, we all want to make money off of what we're doing, the content that we're creating. But if that's not your primary goal and you can just have fun with it, then you you might end up doing this for the rest of your life and never seeing a penny or for every once in a while, something clicks and maybe you get a sponsor, maybe you get picked up on some sort of syndication, maybe Spotify's like, hey, we want your podcast exclusively on our, on our platform, whatever it might be. Um, cool but in the meantime i'm just going to kind of keep doing my thing you know in comparing it to radio like i love radio i love that world but terrestrial radio um commercial radio can be really frustrating um especially for somebody like me and i think for you because you've also mentioned that you hate country music um what to, were you my messages today right I like i just said i'm not a fan so I, <laughs> don't make me out that i trash everything that i've done on this show already come on <laughs> but like just as an example if i was a if i was a broadcast dj and i ended up on a country radio station I got a real tough time selling that I love the brand new, I don't even know what's relevant, uh, uh, the the chicks or something like that. I don't know. Um, and trying to get excited about that and then playing 12 minutes of commercials in between this music I don't enjoy, it's kind of soul sucking. So then you pivot over to podcasting. We can do whatever we want. We can say whatever we want. I'm playing whatever I want. It's like, you know, private pirate radio here. Um, you just have so much more control over it. And, and like, I'm not going to make any money in radio unless I become Howard Stern, which we know again is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. So why not do what I'm doing for free and just enjoy doing it a lot more. And that's kind of where that cut off for me. Like I was doing radio and, and um, trying to like get onto bigger stations that just it wasn't panning out and so when i was like well i'm not making any money doing this anyways it's not going anywhere and i'm playing stuff i don't like in commercials for products i don't support i'll just do it over here and have way more fun with it and that's that's what it's become with podcasting and relating that back to kind of what we were talking about if if you know a band or a creator a twitch streamer a youtuber whatever gets into it just for the love of what they're doing um and it happens to work out like that's just that's that's gravy man that's 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 
what we want for all of our our creator friends um but if it doesn't happen at least we can enjoy their content in the meantime and, and have a real good time and that's a great way of looking at it and that's the same way i do with my stuff i i kind of been embracing definitely this season of kind of just doing whatever i want and not really worrying too much about you know oh this is not you know this is not going to attract sponsors or, you know, can't play this music and stuff. Cause like, I think once you, even, even on podcasting, like if you start getting sponsors and stuff, like anyone giving you money for stuff has actual, you know, has a say in it Yeah. because it's like, Oh, you can't play this music or you're going to lose this sponsorship. I don't have any sponsorships and I don't make money. So I can do pretty much whatever I want. I can listen <laughs> to myself and go, you know what? I'm playing this or I'm going to, you know, make this kind of artwork or, you know, I'm going to have blood dripping from this poster because it looks cool. Yeah. You know, blue flames, like I said. And kind of the cool thing, like, because I've met uh, a few different radio personalities. I applied to many radio jobs uh, and never heard back, by the way. But <laughs> just want to emphasize that. Yeah, it's, it's an industry that really puts themselves on a pedestal. And they're going to put, if you do hear back and you want an on-air job, they're going to put you through hoops and you need to have years of experience. You need to have a demo tape that's going to knock them away. And then they're going to turn around and they're going to pay you minimum wage. And yeah. And honestly, I've seen that with a lot of jobs I've been applying, like, yeah, like in the marketing field and stuff. And even just like a social media manager, um, I applied to one job, at least I actually heard back and they said no, which was fine. But they, um, but like some jobs I saw one, this was a, a stalker at a, at, a, at a food bank. They wanted an associate's degree to pay them $11 an hour. I'm like, how do you expect to get people for this? And that's kind of like what I see with the radio too, is they want like four, four year degree, four years experience to pay you $12 an hour. Yeah. I'm like, and make you work a, a midnight shift. Yeah. And it's like, I, I honestly, I'd be open to it if you ever got back to me. But at the same time, it's like, well, I don't think you're going to get back to me anyway, so why do I care? I'm just going to do what I want. But it's that kind of stuff that always amazes me. It's just how much qualifications you need to make less than doing another job. Like you can, you know, I don't know. Um, or I, I saw a gas station hiring for like 15 an hour. I was like, I, no qualifications for 15 or a bunch of for 12. It doesn't make yeah. sense to me. It's, it's one of those things that like my hope with the pandemic is that it changes the way employers think about their roles, the people that they employ, um, the qualifications that they require. And for a brief moment in time, it really seemed like that was going that way. But then, you know, restrictions start to ease, things get back to normal. It's like, oh, need you back in the office. We need you here nine to five. You need to, you know, wear a suit to work every single day. Um, we're going to put out postings that, you know, nobody qualifies for. And if we find that one person that qualifies for it, we're going to pay them dog shit. Um, it just seems to be the way that, that these things go. And it's so frustrating um, seeing things just revert back yeah. to the way that they were because so many people are stuck in this archaic mindset of work has to be uh, these set hours, Monday to Friday. We can't be flexible. Um, we're going to give you some some give away great vacation time that you can never use because you're always having to work and if you're not there then the whole company falls apart or whatever it might be it's it's kind of bullshit so the nice thing like okay put ourselves in an ideal world and we're making money to do this what we're doing right now um 
we set our own hours, we set our own schedules, we set wake our own at 11 a.m. Right, wake up at 11 a.m., shave whenever you feel like, if you feel like it, if you feel like it, like do whatever you want. Um, like that, that's a dream, man, if, if yes. that ever comes through. So for me, my goal is not to make money with this, but if my goal was to make money, it's not because I want to drive a Lamborghini, that's never going to happen. It's because I would love to give up this nine to five grind, this commuting two hours to and from a job site, this, you know, needing to be overqualified for a job that really anybody could do. Um, no, what? No, you have to have these qualifications to do the job. And you need so many years experience. Like I know when I came out of college and I started applying radio station after radio station after radio station, it's like, well, what experience do you have? It's like, well, I just spent two years in college. And before that I was in high school. I don't have real life experience, but I need to get that experience. So if you employ me, I guarantee you, I'm going to work my ass off. So I get that experience. Whereas somebody who's got 40 years of experience, they're going to walk in there and they're going to go, I set my own rules and I'm not going to work that hard because I know what I'm worth and I can go anywhere I want. So it's this real paradox that we're kind of stuck in right now. And it's frustrating whether, whether you're brand new to whatever career and lifestyle choice you choose or you're seasoned, you've been in it for a long time. It's frustrating at either end of the gamut. And I know that kind of diverges a little bit from kind of the topics at hand, but I think it does wrap back in and kind of talks nicely to like what we wish we could be doing. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice wrap up and tie in because that's where I was going with it. I know we took a little bit of a detour around some uh, backwoods around. But we the got there. Tracks. We got there. <laughs> we got there for sure. And that's pretty much what I was saying is, is that just, um, you need the experience to do stuff and that's, but how do you get the experience if no one's going to hire you? Yeah. That's kind of the thing of like, they want experience, but they don't want to compromise. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a real bummer. I, I know coming out of college, my most viable option was to work in the U S I did my, my practicum in St. Louis, uh, KMOX there. And the station director had actually shortly after I got home, he had moved to Chicago and took over WGN. So it's like, these are big oh. names and he was a hundred percent willing to bring me down. But what held me up was the visa process and being Canadian. Yeah. And, you know, there needs to be some sort of proof that, um, you you're doing a job that an American can't fill, which isn't the case. Uh, meanwhile, pivot back to Canada and I'm applying in small markets. This isn't WGN in Chicago. This is, KM whatever the crap in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. That's a good and, name. Right? KM whatever the crap. That's going to be my <laughs> new radio station. Um, in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. And they're like, well, we require you to have like seven years in major market. It's like, you're not even a major market. Why, why do you require that? I'm 21 years old. How do you expect me to have any of that? I could go work at, at WGN in Chicago if the visa thing would work out. It's not a fair comparison, but it just seems so much more willing, at least to support the career I wanted to be in, to be in larger markets in the US than it did in Canada. So, uh, and then I quickly realized I could, you know, work an overnight shift at a crappy radio station making minimum wage, or I could get into, you know, telecom and start at thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars, and work my way up from there, and have you know a set schedule and a salary and and benefits and you know all those things that you don't enjoy in 
sort of that creative space or if you work for yourself. So there's, there's ups and there's downs, but I think if we could all just do the thing that we love and make enough to support a lifestyle and a family off of it, I'd be a lot less stressed. <laughs> oh, I, I do. I feel it on that. But uh, as we're almost an hour into this now, I'm, I'm going to debut a brand new segment here on Typical Radio. I told you about it, but I didn't tell you what we're doing. No, no, I'm a little bit nervous. You should be. This is either going to be fun or a disaster. <laughs> so here is the game. It is now time to guess the headliner. That is right. The rules Ooh, are very boy. simple. I will list a few bands who played a show together or had our tour together. And you have to guess the headliner. Oh, this is good. You know, it, it reminds me of playing The Price is Right. And, and you know, growing up and, and you call in sick for elementary school and you got to stay home and eat soup and watch The Price is Right. Yeah. Amazing experience. But being Canadian always made it tough. It's like, oh, we've got this brand new box of Tide. How much is it? And you're mm -hmm. like, oh, $12. And then they unveil. It's like four ninety nine. You're like, what the hell? Where are these people shopping? <laughs> in the U.S. market. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dude you nailed it i would do that too when i was growing up you know best thing yeah. ever <laughs> i'm sick uh chicken noodle soup price is right bob barker for me bob barker was my man he was my babysitter when i was homesick that's for sure dude, yes he's true talent true legend can never be duplicated and it's kind of funny like people don't watch like they don't look back at history of like the the uh the same tactics he used like you don't see that anymore like the building suspense like, oh, hey, what would you do with that car? What would you do with that money? And then unveil it. True art form that is lost. Well, and there was a little bit, and I know this digresses because you want to get into that other segment, but there was a little bit with Bob Barker where you were like, this dude doesn't seem like he should be hosting a game show. This guy seems like, you know, he should be running a Fortune 500 company or at least selling me really expensive insurance I don't need. So what is his deal? Why is he doing this? Is it because he wants to make sure that he gets his message of like spay and neuter your pets out there? Like, is that really what this end game is? So he's always a bit of a mystery to me. With Drew Carey, it's like, well, nobody else will employ you. I get why you're doing this. Um, <laughs> yeah, there goes Drew Carey as an option for a, for a guest on my show. I guess. Oh man! <laughs> oh, I hope no one sees sees uh, everything we've said in there. Man. All right. So with with that great uh, statement out of the way, all right, it's now time to guess the headliner. Two of these shows I've actually been to. Ooh. Just to let you know. So uh, this is not like one-off specialty shows where they just you know like Christmas shows or something stupid where they you know. Christmas is that stupid. Uh, <laughs> oh, geez. I, Drew Carey sucks. You're attacking Christmas. This is a whole other level. Yeah, we're getting canceled for sure. <laughs> um, so it's not specialty shows, you know, like that kind of stuff, or festival shows where, like, oh, so-and-so opened for Iron Maiden, but they played at 2 o'clock, you know, or what, you know, stuff like that. None of that. These were actual shows or tours. Okay. All right. The first one, uh, for context, this was uh, in Chicago. I believe it was either 2016 or 17. I don't exactly remember when I went. But this is a show I went to. So, out of the three options, pick the headliner. Okay. We got Falling in Reverse, Papa Roach, or A Day to Remember. <sighs> okay. Falling in Reverse should never headline anything. <laughs> so I'm hoping that they were an opener. 
Papa Roach obviously is the most commercially successful out of all three of those bands, but A Day to Remember really had their moment in the spotlight, especially around that time. But would Papa Roach open for them? I think we're going to stick with Papa Roach. Papa Roach is the headliner here. I did like your logic. It was A Day to Remember. <sighs> you're very close. Now, you were funny. You said falling in reverse and never open. <laughs> Ice Nine Kills opened for Fall in Reverse when I saw him in 2019. That's a travesty. That should never happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for now, this this next one. So you're over one right now. Okay. Over. But this next one, 50-50 chance. I did not. I couldn't find any more information on this. So the context this is 1997. Oof, that's before you were born. No, that was the year I was born. Come oh, on. Okay. Okay. Come on. <laughs> All right, 1997, we got a baby Matthew. All right, I'm on. Yeah, well, depending on when this was, I was born in December. (laughs) (laughs) So barely 1997, I said, you know what? I don't want to see 1998. I'm just going to show up. Anyway, uh, U2, Rage Against the Machine. Oh, God. Those two were on the same bill together? (laughs) Yes, in 1997, which I find – I'll explain why I find it interesting after I let you answer. So it's funny, like growing up, in the 90s, um, 12 years before you were born, um, when I was born, uh, <laughs> um, Rage Against the Machine was certainly popular in their niche, but I really don't think Rage got popular with the masses until the 2000s. Like, Gorilla Radio hit, and people were all of a sudden like, oh my God, look at this band. Whereas U2 always had their following. Um, and I think continued to be popular enough until they forced that album onto your into your iTunes uh, in, in the 2000s that people were like, who the hell are these guys? Why? So I, I'd say probably at the time, U2 was the headliner. You are correct. Oh. Uh- Oh, that, that hurts. Oh. I mean, if it was you two opening up for Falling in Reverse, then <laughs> that would be a yeah, little bit better. Like Ronnie Radke, it's like he, uh, he's, a, he's a sketchy and questionable individual, which we won't get into. But, but yeah, you, you are right, because I forgot when, because um, I think 1999 was um, Battle Los Angeles, I want to say, which that's... yeah. Early 2000s. I don't remember exactly. I, I believe was, it came out as I was moving from junior high to, to high school. And, and that's when the, and I was, you know, in diapers. But anyway. <laughs> Still are. Little, it's amazing. To make you feel a little older. Um, but yeah, if it was like 1999 or 2000, I think Rage probably would have like would have been the more logical answer. But 1997 where they were building momentum. I think they started in the early 90s, I want to say. Yeah. Not huge. Late 80s. Yeah. Oh, or, or, sorry, Rage we're talking about? Rage. Yeah. I, I think there was a little bit of the 80s, but yeah, 90s was their decade, which is weird because a lot of those 90s bands weren't as popular then as they either are now or were later in their careers. Nirvana was really the only one. <clears throat> Nirvana and Pearl Jam, maybe, were the only ones at their time yeah. that really seemed to hit critical mass during their time and smashing pumpkins like 1995 smashing pumpkins yeah i would say a big turnaround for them was was melancholy and the infinite sadness yeah. like and that then they was. messed that up a few years later so <laughs> yeah what came after that ava door 
or whatever yeah, no, that album yeah. was. Which, yeah. Mm, not great. Not great. Oh crap. Smashing pumpkins after me. Right. I, I love the pumpkins. I grew up on the pumpkins. I still listen to the pumpkins, but oddly enough, the other day I was like, I haven't listened to the pumpkins in a while. I was watching a movie in 1979 was in it. I was like, I haven't listened to them in a long time. So I just went onto YouTube music and put on a smashing pumpkins playlist. And I happened to be at the gym. So this was probably my first mistake, but I was like, nope, not fast enough. Skip. Yeah. No, don't like this song. Skip. Nope, not that one. Skip. And then you get to something like zero or bullet with butterfly yeah. wings. You're like, Oh, I dig these songs. And then you go into something else and you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. So they're one of those bands where it's like melancholy and the infinite sadness is probably the most complete album cover to cover, especially from, uh, smashing pumpkins. But everything beyond that is like, well, just give me the hits. I'm good with that. Honestly, I think I like Gish and Siamese Dream. Like, oh, they, for sure. They have hits on there, but I think um, even the kind of the deeper cuts off there are still good. But I do I do see what you're saying with that stuff. Because some of this stuff gets a little weird. No, yeah. no, no, no yes. dig on, on SP, but <laughs> some of the Billy Corgan's a strange guy. Yeah, he is. He's also, he's ironically from Chicago, too. So Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but he's kind of really odd and then he owns wrestling companies and he may, it may have been a predatory lender and impact wrestling. Oh, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> and moving on. So number three, there is four options. I went oh. through before. This is a show I went to context last year. Okay. So it is living color, Everclear, Weedus and Hoobastank. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they were all on the same bill. That was the complete show. Yes. Holy God. What a mess that is. <laughs> really? Oh, well, I don't want to shit talk anybody. For those who don't we know already, Weedis, What are you talking We've been doing this for an hour. <laughs> I know. That's true. Um, it just seems so weird because it's like, okay, Everclears are in their place in the world. I did see Everclear. Um, and they were the headliners, but I think Yellow Card opened up for them. And oh, don't get me started on Yellow Card. Um, but Everclears are in their place. Living Color, there's even no, not even an argument there. They are iconic. They made so many strides <clears throat> for music in general, but specifically heavy music. Um, so no contest there. <clears throat> What's going to throw me for a loop is Hoobastank and Weedus. Both bands, I would argue, are one-hit wonders. I oh. did get into Hoobastank, obviously, when Crawling in the Dark came out. Everybody was listening to that. I was like, oh, this is the next form of heavy music. This is our next incubus. Spoiler alert, they were not. Um, I didn't but, honestly, I didn't know both those bands were even still around in 2021. No. no. I just didn't know. And what was Weedus? Is that teenage dirtbag it is which people credit that to weezer and that is not right no it might have been the similarity in band names you got weedus and weezer um i guess to the untrained ear is very similar it um is. yeah take that drink of water think about this this is this one's a this one's a thinker okay i'm gonna discredit i'm gonna put hoobastank and weedus they've got to be openers that's like please no Dear God, don't be the headliners. Between Everclear and Living Color, I would say Everclear is more widely known, more widely accepted between, you know, rocker guys and, and you know, soccer moms. Um, I think Everclear is the headliner here. 
You are right. <sighs> you are right. You are two for three now. I'm getting back. So now I'm going to turn up the heat. Okay. Which is uh, ironic because my furnace is running. I don't know if that's coming through, but good old Canada. I'm surprised I'm not hearing this. Maybe because I talk loud. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because we're podcasters. We just ignore everything that's not the person we're talking to. This is very true. <laughs> All right. This is 1982. Hmm. Uh, so the, Before either of us were born. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. See, we're, we're both uh, <laughs> even on that. All right. 38 special, Iron Maiden, and Rainbow. Oh. I don't know how familiar you are with any of those, but. So Iron Maiden, again, iconic metal band has done so much for heavy music. I will argue we're not as big in 1982 as they even are today. Um, oddly enough, they're one of those bands that have gotten more popular over the years than, than they started out as. 38 special, nothing burger then, nothing burger now. Um, Rainbow, I mean, you got Ronnie James Dio here, man. Like that is like creme de la creme for for metal guys, for iconic voices of many generations. Uh, it's got to be Rainbow, man. They open this, or they they headline this bad boy. Well, uh, actually, it was thirty eight special. Jesus, and oh. Rainbow it was Rainbow Iron Maiden thirty eight special. Oh man. Yeah. Okay. Well. All right. Now you're fifty. You're fifty-fifty right now. Okay. This, this one is like this, for all the ducats here. I'll just, I'll just tell you. I won't. Context. This was in the late nineties. I did not get an exact date, but late nineties. Okay. We got Bad Religion. All right. The Lemonheads. Okay. Tony Bennett. <laughs> I'm not. This is for real. This is what happened. Like, oh, what was it? The Sesame Street was, you know, which one of these things doesn't belong? That's probably the worst rendition of that. But um, none of those things belong at all. Tony Bennett, I mean, Tony Bennett's got to be the headliner for anything. This dude is just like selling out shows even nowadays. Um, And Lemonheads, I think Mrs. Robinson was like the one song that we got from them. Was that them? Uh, they did the cover of it, and that's what made oh, them yeah, famous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think they've ever done anything else before or past that point. <laughs> uh, and then Bad Religion. I mean, I would certainly go with Bad Religion because Bad Religion is like I grew up on Bad Religion. I still listen to Bad Religion. Bad Religion is like the rainbow of punk rock. Um, but yeah, Tony Bennett's got to be the headliner here. Whatever bizarre world this is. <laughs> well. Uh, no, Bad Religion headlined. Okay. Tony All right. Lemonheads, Bad Religion. I'm not upset about Bad Religion headlining. I'm just upset about whoever put this show together. This like, how, how do you get Tony Bennett fans in the same room as Bad Religion? Like, Lemonhead fans and Bad Religion fans, okay. I'm seeing a little bit of correlation here, but Tony Bennett fans are going to be like, whoa, what is this loud music? We can't handle this noise. Oops. The, uh, Tony uh, Bennett's kid, his son, was the uh, was the person who put that show together. He wanted to get Tony Bennett into the spotlight as newer bands in the uh, in the '90s to help his image. So opening right. for a punk band completely makes that possible. And 
Right. <laughs> yeah, man, that is just throwing darts at a at a you know, very large dartboard that has everything from Tony Bennett to mayhem on it. Like now, that would be a lineup. Tony, Tony Bennett mayhem. and mayhem. Yeah. I, I feel like some churches will burn and people will die, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> that is justified. I can I can definitely say that. But uh, so two for two for five, <sighs> not great. But, no. Uh, not bad, so that's done. <laughs> it wasn't worth anything. There was no points anyways. I didn't get a prize. It's all made up, and the points don't matter, just like whose line is it anyway. We do a lot of callbacks to Drew Carey here. I know. Well, you started talking crap about him, so. <laughs> I did love the Drew Carey show. I'll put that out there. I'll see. I didn't even like that. No? <laughs> well, he was funny when he was fat. <laughs> Most people are. Just it's that. true. Some it's people lose the when they lose the pounds, so maybe that's why I'm packing on my weight. I got to be more funny. Yeah, yeah, that'll that'll but improve the street cred for funny. One of my favorite scenes of the Drew Carey show is Henry Rollins showing up on it. I don't know if you've ever seen that segment. I'm sure I probably did. Yeah, yeah. Which Henry Rollins, he's uh, one of one of my favorite musicians anyway. So seeing him, and he's actually very funny too. So yeah, it helps out. That would be an interesting, like, because I know Henry Rollins does a lot of, like, the, the speaking tours and that sort of thing. Yeah. Him and Drew Carey on the same bill. I think we're on to something. We have no <laughs> way of financing this, and we have no idea no. what we're doing. No. But I think we're on to something. So if anyone steals this, <laughs> no one's going to come after you. Yeah, you heard it here, copywritten. We are putting together the uh, the Rollins Carey tour. We might work on that name. Headliner, or sorry, opening act, Craig Ferguson. If he's allowed uh, uh, back. On yeah, I don't think he is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. I saw him on like uh, a nine o'clock game show uh, that was before like midnight. Because I don't think he was ever allowed before. That's how uh, nine o'clock usually works, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm very surprised. <laughs> he's a very funny guy. I do like him. Yeah. Uh, definitely, he got away with the, saying a lot of stuff that you definitely can't say of and may have aged a little bit poorly, but it, I still find it funny. There's an interesting landscape out there. There's certain people who can continue to say things and get away with it. Yep. There's people who say stuff and instantly get canceled. And then there's like that in between like Dave Chappelle. You can say stuff and people are going to try and cancel you, but you just don't give a shit anyway. So you just keep doing what you're doing or and Joe people Rogan eventually too. get over it. Yeah. Joe Rogan to a certain extent, I feel like a lot of I people have just kind of guess though. It's not, he doesn't play a whole lot. It's more who he has on. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I never was a big Joe Rogan fan, but uh, if I wasn't tired of him before the pandemic, I'm certainly tired of him during and after the pandemic. Look at that. Uh, now I just like, Talk down the biggest podcast host out there. Man, we are hitting all the high spots. <laughs> Knock them all off. It's Can we touch funny. on like Mariah Carey or Madonna or something like that? Like that'll be our next step. Or Beyonce. Beyonce. Or Beyonce. We don't touch Beyonce. But I will say last night I was watching uh, uh, the wildcard game, Monday night wildcard game. You got the the Rams and, and the Cardinals. And they're showing all the celebrities in the stands and cool. Yeah, Kyrie Irving's there. And, and you know, you got all these guys. And and then they panned to Jay-Z and they didn't put his name up right away. And I was like, is that Whoopi Goldberg? And then they put up Jay-Z and I was like, oh man, this dude has completed this weird transformation into Whoopi Goldberg. I have to see that. I have not, I have not seen that. Uh, I, I'm going to have to check that out because I haven't seen him lately. Honestly, 
I probably haven't seen him since like 2012. <laughs> well, and like, there's never a bad thing I can say about Beyonce. Like, even as a as a rock and metal guy, I'm like Beyonce. She's she's a queen, man. Like, she's she belongs at the top. She's got an amazing voice. She ages like a fine wine. But Jay Z, like, really him? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're just we're just hitting everybody you know? yeah yeah i never had a chance of booking jay-z on my show anyway so well now after this now no yeah, yeah you had, you probably had a chance i don't i might get beyonce though so that's true you didn't say a lot of good to see <laughs> i see the way you're working i see the way you're working all right but like you know talk about guests and stuff as i kind of wrap up this interview i'm having a great time chatting with you so i'm probably gonna hold you for a while yeah that, that's fine <laughs> you, you got nothing you're probably getting paid for this anyway. Yeah, nothing going on. <laughs> um, but how do you how do you go about booking guests? Like, do you is it, how do you reach out? Like, what do you do? What do you say? That kind of stuff. Guests have been an interesting journey for me. So I started off the journey with guests on a site called Matchmaker.fm, which is the absolute worst name for a podcast uh community that i've ever heard because like it looks like i'm on a dating app. site it sounds like a knockoff tinder app it really does so i had to like lay the groundwork early with my wife and i was like look i'm getting emails i'm on an app it's called matchmaker.fm it has nothing to do with me like looking for you know uh i don't know what that one is where it's like oh do you want to be in a polyg polygamist relationship it's like no well, we have the app for you. Um, it's it's nothing like that, but it sounds like that. Um, we should we should start that app, man. We're just making, we're, we're just coming up with great ideas, aren't we? I feel like it was shortly after Christian Mingle came out, where I was like, meet like minded Christians, and then they were like, hey, you want to fuck around with a lot of women? Yeah. Check out this app. Um, yeah, but that's not what Matchmaker is. Um, there's a lot of dudes on there, actually, lots of sweaty dudes uh, like myself. Uh, so I started on there and started to kind of like it kind of pairs you with people this really sounds like a dating app started to pair you with people that you know are a similar interest big one being music um so there's a few artists on there there's a lot of podcasters and that sort of thing so kind of dabbled around with that and predominantly in season two did most of my bookings through matchmaker um but then what was really great is things started to change where it's like i'd interview a band and they're like hey have you checked out this band no, I'll go check them out. And then you check them out and you email them and you're like, Hey, I would love to have you on the show. They go, yes. And you're like, Holy crap. Uh, so then you bring them on and they're like, Hey, have you heard of this band? Or we toured with this band or we're doing a split album with this band. So you start to kind of gather all these names and just start to, to fire things out there. So at this point I'm starting to feel pretty good. And I actually, I'm still on matchmaker, but I'm not using it. Uh, periodically there'll be a guest who, who messages through there, which is cool. Um, but it's, oddly become this like word of mouth people have started to reach out to me um you know as bands post your your episode you may not get traction on that like social media post but for some reason somebody will listen to it and they'll be like hey i'd love to be on your show i'm in x y and z band uh and i i okay i i say i don't turn down anybody but there have been two that i've turned down one was very respectful it was a promoter who had reached out she says hey i've got i'm promoting this this uh r b artist and very talented in his own right but i was like you know the music just doesn't gel like i've gone 
a little bit out of scope. You know, I've had folk artists on the show, some lighter, more contemporary rock and that sort of thing. But this was just so far beyond what I would promote. And, and again, it's hard for me to get excited about that stuff. I don't even know what to ask an R&B artist. Like, hey, where did you find the sample that you used in that song? Um, how did you find so many uh, large-breasted women to be in your video? Those would be the kind of questions I ask them because I don't know what the hell else to ask. So very respectful. <laughs> she was like, no, I understand. <laughs> and then she kind of turned the script and she's like, well, if you have any artists who are looking for promotion, let me know. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, the other one was somebody who who messaged me off of uh, Matchmaker and they compared themselves, I believe to Prince, David Bowie, and I want to say Dio was at the top of that. Um, That's an interesting combination. Very, very interesting. So you're like, all right, my, my expectations are very high at this point. Yeah. The music video was shot on probably like a handy cam from the from the mid 90s and i don't want to say like that's a bad thing because there's a lot of cool things that, that bands have done with like old school camcorders that make their videos actually pretty cool this was not it uh and the music was a mix between like i don't know man like it was he, he was um it was like kid rock but like if Kid Rock had zero talent, and I'm not defending Kid Rock here because I, I think Kid Rock is terrible. I know that there might be fans present, but... Um, You're talking to one. Right? Like, he was Kid Rock, but he was so bad that the music was laughable. And at first I was like, do I email this guy and go like, hey, is this a parody band? Are you trying to like you know, make fun of this music. And then I, I sat back and kind of looked through his social media posts and all that stuff and, and like serious? took himself hundred percent seriously. And I just, I couldn't. So I ghosted him and I felt kind of bad about that. But other than that, like I haven't turned anybody down. Um, the traction in terms of like bands reaching out has been so good lately. And then, you know, I know you work with a lot of promoters and we've, we've talked to some of the same promoters and you shared some guests and, and promotion companies. Um, but once you're kind of in with them, then they just start to send you more and more acts. And, and that's fantastic. That's like, that's the best relationship. Um, right from the beginning I've worked with, um, uh, I always screw up their name. It's LMS UK, but the way that it shows up is like, I'm suck. <laughs> and if anybody from LMS UK listens to this, I know that they changed their branding and their logo. So it doesn't look like that anymore. But when they first messaged me, I was like, how do I say this? Like, it looks like I'm suck media and it's not, it's LMS UK. They've been fantastic. They've sent over so many good guests and, and not all their guests are, are strictly rock haven't really had any metal from them, had a little bit of punk rock from them. Um, but like, they've been so good and, and just really from the beginning. So, um, they've been great kill sound productions. Uh, now yeah. that I'm working with, you've worked with for a while. Holy crap. Like they're amazing. Maggie's amazing. Um, so it's just like making those relationships now and, and, uh, yeah, that's worked out pretty well. So I don't fish as much for guests, uh, as I used to, uh, they just kind of come a little bit more organically now, but still every once in a while I have to kind of kind of hit the trails and, and campaign for some, some guests every once in a while. So, Yeah, I'm kind of a, a mix with that. Obviously, I've worked with some really great people. Obviously, Maggie Kilsound being one of, one of my favorites to work with. Uh, but, yeah, kind of this year, 
it's been I, you, you know my struggles with the way this year has gone i've talked to kind of instantly about that uh kind of behind the scenes you know the struggle i know the struggle it's it's a time to do everything i would love to interview all the people who who hit me up and i think you would probably be the same but like same thing it's like i need time to obviously edit the videos but um I've reached out to some kind of people who I'd love to have on my show, and hopefully that happens. You're taking uh, the shots, man. I respect that. You've reached us to, to some pretty big artists, and yeah, I haven't. I did that once. I did reach out to Spirit Box last year. Uh, um, tell me yeah, it didn't. It, I didn't get any response. I kind of didn't expect to, but I was like, if I can get in before their album releases and they become the biggest name in metal, um, that'll be great. But just didn't pan out. I've been tempted to just drive out to Vancouver Island and knock on their door because I've got a general approximation of where they are. That's not a little bit stalkerish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, I wouldn't have met that on the on a podcast, but that's okay. <laughs> we, we've already buried ourselves enough. Where pretty much at this point, it's just like, ah, oh, we should have expected they say that. <laughs> but uh, it, it's always cool. Like, like sometimes I have reached out. Like, I I, inter- I reached out to like September morning, like my fourth interview. I wasn't like established, and they said, "Sure, we'll do it." So, like, um, that's that's kind of like the stuff. It's like, wow, I you know didn't expect you to respond, but I appreciate that you did. And I'm glad we were able to do this. Uh, it's just the stuff that kind of catches you off guard. I know I kind of have a little bit of lofty, you know, guest goals, you know, maybe for this year or beyond. But um, it's kind of a mess, you know. I got a lot of people approach me. There's a UK band who reached out to me yesterday. That like, I didn't know of before yesterday, but like, I'm digging their music. So it's like nice. kind of like that, like gritty punk rock kind of stuff. You you know, kind of yeah. like almost you know sleaze rock. Almost you don't see too much of nowadays, uh, but I do I do enjoy it. The thing I really appreciate about the UK, or two things I guess, is is they're all so proactive like even throughout the pandemic they were working hard to either release new music have bookings for post-pandemic uh book themselves onto podcasts and, and radio shows and then the other thing that i really appreciate is there is zero like musical trend they're not like hey we need to hop on the punk rock uh, bandwagon or the hard rock bandwagon or hey you know ginger and spirit box are blowing up the world we need to do what they're doing none of that they just make the music that they love um and they don't even really care about genres which again is really great makes it a little bit tough to describe who they are you know even describing that band is a little bit tough but like they don't subscribe to the same thing that i think a lot of north american acts and creators uh kind of subscribe to where it's like i still don't want to define genres but it just makes it easier to say you're a punk rock band you're a metal band you're you know it, a groove metal band, whatever. I think it's easier more like for the, it's not really necessary for us. It's more for the people listening who might yeah. not know who this band is. You can at least get an idea. I think that's very like North American um, marketing to say this band is this and bands have to kind of fit to that if they want to be marketed on, you know, a bigger scale. I think UK, Europe, I think they're just happy playing music and like yeah. their marketing is different i think where it doesn't matter as much because i've interviewed quite a few from the uk and europe they're like i don't even know how to describe your band you know it's like electronic but there's metal in there there's punk rock and all of this stuff that it's hard to describe like european bands compared to uk and canada or compared to america and canada um in my opinion well i just feel like there's there are a lot of breakthrough bands coming from europe and I think a lot of it is because 
of those things that we just described. They can do things. They can be experimental. Um, they don't fall into a specific niche, but it's because it's different. We don't hear a lot of that over here. We hear a band trying to be Godsmack 12 times over, um, which we've heard 12 times over. Uh, and I love Godsmack, so no, no shit on them. Um, but just like different stuff. And I don't always love it. You know, uh, it might not be for me, but I, I appreciate what they're doing. I appreciate the effort that they're putting into it and it's seeming to work. It's seeming to catch on. And what you see is the shift of European bands, all of a sudden getting popularity in the U S where traditionally American bands are at the top. It is kind of interesting. I know for quite a few bands and actually for illusion of grandeur, which you've interviewed, I've interviewed, um, they got popular in Europe yeah. before hitting, uh, before getting traction in the U S and I know Alice Cooper was that same way. And so it's kind of interesting where bands actually hit, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I always find that interesting is like, you know, obviously most of the U S bands get big, you know, in the U S and then hit Europe. Some bands are kind of the opposite just to get traction. Like people in Europe, you know, like their music or grab on the music first while it takes the US market a little bit more to warm up because it could be a little bit different, theatrical, whatever. It's it's just interesting how that happens. Kind of like with like singles and songs and stuff. Like no no dig on Papa Roach. Like obviously, like if you know about Papa Roach, you know Last Resort is like their biggest song. Not necessarily my you know, necessarily my favorite, even off that album. But like, that's what, you know, either people wanted or that's how they pushed the hardest. I don't know. However, they did that marketing. Yeah, man. I still remember that video the day that it came out and it's like things changed because we were in a new metal environment landscape at that point. And we had really started to get comfortable with corn. Um, you know, there were some other new metal backs coming up. I never classify Slipknot as new metal. I think that's, uh, I don't want to say that new metal degrades what Slipknot does, but Slipknot isn't sort of a category of their own to me. Um, but, you know, they were gaining their traction at that point. Rage Against the Machine was certainly big. Robert Roach offered us something a little bit different without being drastically different because you still got Jacoby doing the rap thing. You've still got a guitar powered riff type song even though if it's you know borrowed from iron maiden um no <laughs> can't prove that it's just one of those things that just it, right time right place and, and and if you look back in history there's a lot of songs that maybe don't stand the test of time but if you if you were around in that era or reflect on that era it's like right time right place and that band just happened to to, to hit it um because slip uh Papa Roach had been around. They, they'd done an album before that. Um, they had some better songs on that album that showed up on Love, Hate, Tragedy um, that they brought back over. Uh, but it's just something about Infest and something about Last Resort. It just hit at the right time. And I, I remember um, one of my good buddies, the vocalist in my band at the time, we sort of got hit with Papa Roach and Disturbed. And it's those were like, same year, yeah. yeah, those were like down with the sickness and last resort were everywhere you turned and they were huge. And we ended up sort of kind of getting into it. Cause I was like, Papa Roach is the next big thing. And he's like, no, disturbed is the next big thing. Um, and we were both right. I would say disturbed certainly had a 
better career to a certain point and then disappeared and then papa roach has kind of adopted this uh hybrid like what fever 333 is doing right now with sort of having that that rap that that Radio metal style yeah reggae like they got everything in there they're doing a lot of cool things and papa roach has kind of adopted that which has brought their popularity back up to a certain point but yeah at that time we were debating those two bands uh i was on papa roach's side he was on disturbed side i don't think either one of us were wrong but i think at the time i was probably more right because down with the sickness didn't really start to hit people in the way that it did until later on and now you've got it's on every you know party rock album they played at hockey dressing rooms like even played on terrestrial radio which at the time there was no way that they were going to play down with the sickness on our local rock radio station yeah <laughs> <laughs> definitely like the thing is i just saw disturb live um last year oh wow for the first time and uh they're they're amazing like um just uh david's vocals are incredible and to do that live to recreate that live what he does in the studio is amazing like he, he's got such a unique style for his vocals that you no one else i don't think can even duplicate it if no. they really tried and be authentic as he is and uh so it was cool my, my one complaint they did not play voices that's my favorite song my uh. they did not play it uh so hopefully i can see them i will hopefully hear voices that's my favorite song that's like that's like stuff to run, work out to, break stuff to, that kind of thing. That's like all of it. I've only ever seen them once, and it was when the sickness dropped. Oh. Uh, so they weren't that popular. And here's your headliner thing. Uh, it was them and Kitty, and Kitty was the headliner. That's insane. Right? And maybe it was like the Canadian thing, because it's like, Kitty's the only metal band that we have this is amazing um and i was obsessed with him at that <laughs> point too very canadian it's a very canadian they were like yeah kitty um but disturbed it opened up for them so they were relatively nobodies and and i remember them just kind of being in the hallways before and after the show so having those conversations with them um but yeah that's all we heard was songs off the sickness because that's all that they had out so it was a long time ago but i'm pretty sure that they played voices at that show they probably did i would almost guarantee that yeah but it's kind of funny the, the same venue that i saw them at it was the first met uh first actual rock show at the hard rock casino in indiana the northern indiana and now i'm seeing papa roach <laughs> in march at that same venue so it's kind of funny we're just talking about both of those bands yeah well and I, I would argue like i haven't seen papa roach in almost as many years they were playing the warp tour when infest came out and again nobody knew wow. who they were and so there we are with uh jacoby shaddix who was known as kobe dick at the time yes he was yeah and we're standing there like at the side uh of the railings just having a conversation with with him he even threw the microphone to my buddy and he got to sing um i think it what's that song snakes or whatever um later on on the album oh, so he got to sing yeah. that with papa roach but nobody knew who they were at that time but i would venture to say that now that a lot of their stuff post infest has become a lot more popular you'll probably get last resort and nothing else yeah probably that and uh between uh angels and insects yeah yeah Those probably too uh which that's a good I, blood brothers honestly one of my favorites you're probably never going to hear that live 
uh, from Infest. And maybe Broken Home, I know they bust that out occasionally. Like, I think they did that on the 2015 tour. But uh, I maybe that's amazing. Yeah, I guess it'll depend on the on the crowd and and that sort of thing too. Because I I feel like they've kind of got this divisive line where it's like there's the early Papa Roach listeners and then there's the current yeah. Papa Roach listeners and there's very few who are in between. Where it's like I I personally enjoy I what they're doing now. I do prefer what they did then, yeah. um, but I would be okay hearing any and all of it. There's that song that. Um, that they did with Maria Brink. Oh yes, that was Gravity. Gravity. And like Maria sounds amazing on that song. Like she is certainly miles above anything that's going oh, yeah. on there. But there was just something about that song that really hit. I really enjoyed that tune. I did too. And honestly, this came up while I was doing my research for bands. Uh you know, for my headliner my segment that is now coming past. Uh they were on a tour within this moment and they did not do or they did not have maria brink uh on gravity that, oh man I, I, that came across in one of the forums i was on and it was like it was like yeah this is irrelevant but this is what I, this is what i saw uh, on tour <laughs> i was like how do you have that happens like like um i think like uh when godsmack and i don't know if you're familiar with stitched apart when they went on like a uk tour they had Oh, uh, lead vocalist of Godsmack, who I can't remember right now. Sully Thank you. Uh, he was featured on one of their songs for the new album, and he actually oh, nice. was. They, when they played the song, he would come out and perform that with them. So I kind of like when that when that happens, especially if you book a show like that. Come on, if you book a tour like that and you don't have yes. that happen, what are you doing? You're not doing things right. That's like putting Lynn Biscuit's, uh spirit box together. You're messing up. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... It's got to be tough for bands when they release a song with a guest vocalist that does incredibly well, but when they play that song live, they don't have that it. guest vocalist. You need, uh, you, you need it. I know that happened to me like when I saw Soulfly a number of years ago. They had that song with Corey Taylor called Jump to Fuck Up, but they weren't touring with Slipknot. They weren't here with Slipknot. Corey wasn't there. I had no expectation that Corey was going to come do that song, but that song is like not quite as good without Corey. Yeah, uh, kind of funny. I just started listening to Soulfly because I actually met Mark Rizzo last, I think I told you this last month. Nice, um, yeah. So I started listening to Soulfly and Il Nino, which uh, apparently Joseph's a big fan of Il Nino. So <laughs> talking to Yeah, him. Il Nino had their, their time in the in the spotlight. Yeah, they're coming back too. There's tournament Drowning Pool coming up soon. <sighs> yeah, okay. Drowning well, Pool's well, another what's one. What's your piece now? Okay, so I love Drowning Pool. I love their first album, but I feel like when their vocalist died, the band should have rebranded. They are one of those bands where it was entirely dependent on him because everything since that point hasn't sounded like that Drowning Pool, and that's the Drowning Pool I want. I they've done some good stuff. There's, there's, you know, um, some decent tunes that they've released af post that first album, but it's just one of those things where it's like, why didn't you just do something new? Like audio slave. Great. Okay. You've got two mega powers working together and you did something different. I don't necessarily love audio slave, but they weren't like, let's have rage against the machine with Chris Cornell. It just doesn't make sense. They did something new. Thank you. <laughs> 
Man, we're, we're probably going to take a lot of heat for this episode. I hope so, because that means people were listening to it. <laughs> That's true. Maybe we should just start, you know, uh, talking crap about a bunch of people. Then and then I'm like, hey, at least you listen. Tell yeah, see who comes out of the woodwork. Yeah, even things that we love will just start shit talking yeah. and be like, oh, you did I, mean, I, I, I do agree with the Drowning Pool thing just because their first album was amazing. It yes. Is, you can't, honestly, I don't think you can rival that album, no matter what you do. I don't think you can rival that as Drowning Pool. So I do understand where you're coming with that, though. I really do. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's like you're going to have people go to a Drowning Pool show and they want to hear Bodies. Yeah. They're going to hear it, but they're not going to hear it the same way. And yeah. Bodies wasn't the best song on that album. In fact, at the time, I didn't really like that song that much, to be perfectly honest. Um, there was a lot of better stuff on there, but they're not going to play those. They won't play any of those deep cuts because that's not what people came to see anymore. It's unfortunate. I remember being at uh, a Misfits show when they announced his death and then they were playing the first album in its entirety. And it was just such a cool experience, a little unusual because it's a punk rock show and you've got, you know, this hard rock band that's playing, but it was a very surreal thing it kind of felt like we were there seeing drowning pool and then the misfits came out so that, that's actually that would be really cool no like yeah. no lie I, I love the misfits i have uh i've retired wearing a misfits shirt because just so many other people do it's, it's become a style rather yeah. than like appreciating the music exactly like i i have all of their albums including i know you played on uh punk rock cemetery dig up uh her bones which i thought was interesting i'm not a huge Graves don't like the Michael Graves era? Yeah, I, I, I respect it. Like, Famous Monsters, honestly, is a really good album. Oh, yeah. I, one of my, honestly, one of my favorites. But uh, just something about the original, and Jerry only was okay. He tried. <laughs> yeah. I, and, you know, the worst part is, is I've only been able to see The Misfits with Jerry only. I've seen them twice. It's been Jerry only both times. He's fine. Totally yeah. fine. But it's just, it's not Glenn Danzig and it's not Michael Graves. Yeah, um, I thought Graves was, he was good. But again, it's kind of like the, you know, when you're talking about with Drowning Pool, using a different vocalist, I think really does matter. Yes. It's like um, Brian Johnson playing Bon Scott ACDC. You're going to hear it. Like, you know, like you hear like ACDC live. You'll hear Rocker, you hear Dirty, Do Dirty Deeds, but it just doesn't have that same oomph to it, in my you know. ACDC is one of those bands where I argue that they actually, I'm not going to say improved with Brian Johnson because that, like Bon Scott is amazing, yeah. but I can't tell the difference. My wife can because she's a huge ACDC fan. I can't tell the difference. I can. I, I just listen to the recording quality and I go, oh, that sounds old. That must be Bon Scott. <laughs> You're cheating. <laughs> I, I do because I love the Bon Scott era. That was like when I first listened to ACDC, that is what I listened to. Like my favorite album is Dirty Deeds Under Cheap. So kind of going, like, I have no problem with Brian Johnson. Not hating. If anyone's trying to take that assumption, please don't. Uh, I've done enough hating already. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I've dragged you down into the cesspool of hate. Yeah, yeah you, you really have. You're really bringing my stock down for this. That's I didn't do this on your show. I was no, you didn't. Respectful. I didn't say, hey, I don't. I don't really care for Godsmack or whatever you just said. Oh, no, I never did that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I can say you did, though. <laughs> You're going to come do some magic uh, yep. editing work. And yeah, it's going to be like, hey, Godsmack. I, I thought about doing 
a fake like website where it's like a news website, but doing like like the onion pretty much, mm. uh, but like doing like funny stuff, like relative, like to what we, you know, you and me be like, no one Gunther says he doesn't like Godsmack or like something, <laughs> you know, something funny like that. Or, you know, the website might get like two views and it'll probably be you and me, but just like doing funny, like writing up fake articles like that. Of just, and being super serious with it too. I think you know? uh, there's one called the punk rock times that does that. And they have some just like gold headlines uh, of things. So um, uh, I, I would be totally doing an injustice if I was to quote any of them. But one of them was like, uh, uh, scene kid uh, who's now grown up complains about the music on the scene or something like that. I think I saw that one. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's so much good stuff on there that it's just like if you, if you grew up going to shows if you were in the basement if you listen to music now whatever it might be like something in there's going to resonate for you but yes uh, a larger version of that would be a lot of fun and just like shit talking our friends right just yeah, like, oh yeah. yeah matthew thomas hates kittens uh and also thinks that madonna's stupid yeah or or hates the band kitty you know well yeah th that's also an option <laughs> but i didn't say that because i would lose all my canadian audience canadian treasure that's right. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're going to be wrapping up this uh, interview because one of my longest, only I think my longest was actually Aaron of uh, LC Bank, my Halloween episode, <laughs> who uh, amazing person both of us have interviewed. Uh, she's great to chat with. But as I kind of wrap this up, um, just actually I got a couple quick questions to, sure. to wrap this up. So for anyone like listening to this, if you made it through all of our uh, shit talking and all of that <laughs> and uh, our funny stories that probably only funny to us, uh, what's kind of your advice for someone, you know, starting a podcast, currently doing a podcast? Like, what's kind of your advice for that? Hmm. I, I know I've given different advice every time I've been asked that question. So people are probably like, this dude is super inconsistent. Which, um, which yeah, I mean, I'm all over the place. I don't even know where I am today. Um <laughs> I credit that to sleep, though. Not all of us get to sleep till 11 a.m. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, for new podcasters specifically, I think it's just figure out what you want to do and do it. Don't wait. Don't go out and, or think that you need to spend $10,000 on new equipment. That stuff will all come in time. If you've got a microphone, whether it be your iPhone microphone, your laptop, uh, a webcam, or a decent, you know, USB microphone outside of that, just do it, make the show, get it out there, start having fun. Those early episodes are really your training ground. Anyways, you're going to learn what works. And then 20 episodes down the road, you're going to kind of go through that all again and be like, okay, well, I've been doing this for so long, but I should do it this way. Um, so there's no like perfect launching point. Um, so just do it. Don't wait. I think that's some actually like good advice. Like I will say, Looking back on my first couple episodes, it, I cringe. I really do. It's like, <laughs> I did this wrong. This doesn't even sound good. Like that kind of stuff. But it's also gotten to me where I am. And I think you, you same way. But yeah, have fun with it. Like, I, I really tried to embrace that this season with just having fun. And obviously, yeah. with all the stuff we just talked about, I think I'm embracing it kind of well. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I help lift you up as well. I don't just drag you down. And trying to get me canceled. Yeah, well, that too. <laughs> but yeah, that's whatever. I mean, and there's only one rock interview show. 
Yeah, until I take you down, watch it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Then <laughs> <laughs> I will create that fake headline site. <laughs> Who is Nolan Gunther? Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> they'll just be like oh it's that guy who talks too much and seems to show up everywhere yeah pretty much what it is but anyway uh so i know you talked about this even in, even before this interview and briefly mentioned this as well so you were obviously part of a band uh that kind of stuff um would you consider like being part of band or is that kind of something you kind of left behind you know it was one of those things like i spent my entire teenage life uh, and even into my early 20s playing music and playing with bands and having that notion of like well this is just what i'm going to do with my life i'm going to be a musician we're going to get signed we're going to release music um and it didn't it didn't work out and i think that's a story for a lot of people um then I hung up the guitar. I didn't play for a long time. And I, I focused on family and my career and kind of going that direction. And then once my kids started to get older, then I started to play the guitar again. I asked for an acoustic guitar and, and got that so that it wasn't like I always need to be in front of my amp. Um, but then it just became kind of a casual, fun thing. Um, it's always one of those things in the back of my mind where I'm like, I want to keep writing music. I want to kind of get back into things. I would love to do something. I just don't know what, I don't know where, I don't know how, and am I even any good anymore? Was I even any good then? Who knows? Uh, probably you were, not. You totally were. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, so it's definitely one of those things that's on my mind. And, and as I interview bands and I see the changing landscape, because I always ask the question, like, what do you think has changed? in this pandemic world for the music industry. And there's always different answers to that, but what kind of circles around it is you don't need a studio. You don't need a band for the most part. Uh, and you can get things out there in minutes. If I wanted to put something on Spotify, whether it be the best thing I ever written or just a hunk of garbage, just to see how it works, I could do that today if I wanted to. Um, and I should take my own advice where I say, you know, don't wait, just do it. But when it comes to like, I guess that creative side of things, I'm like, no, I need to do it right. It's the same thing with Twitch. I've wanted to do Twitch for so long, but I'm like, I need to do it right if I wanted to do it. And I just don't know if I'm equipped to do that right now. Um, funny enough, the reason why I played uh, Dig Upper Bones on my first episode of Punk Rock Cemetery is because Joseph had done a bass cover of it on his YouTube channel. And I was like, hey, do you want to try and like collab on this and so we did this recording he did drums and bass and some backup vocals i did vocals and guitar um and then we never did anything with it for a multitude of different reasons but that song all of a sudden kind of moved up to to the favorite uh and i kind of wanted to play it on there as like well that other one probably you'll never see the light of day but let's play the the original version and have some fun with that but I think at this point, like I just keep launching podcast after podcast and guesting and, and doing all that stuff. I don't think that there'd be any time to do music, but someday it'll just hit me at the right moment. And I'll be like, all right, I'm ready now. Yeah. I've, I've thought about like people ask me that a lot when I uh, interview people is like, have you ever been in a band and play music and stuff? And I never have. I actually never was uh, a part of a band. I've, I've never played an instrument either. I think it'd be cool. I think I would like to do like maybe like a one-off specialty show. I thought about like, really like a hardcore punk band that includes like Alice Cooper theatrics, <laughs> which sounds awesome. sound just 
maybe great, probably stupid in in uh, execution, but that would probably be something. So if anyone steals that idea. <laughs> I'm gonna be kind of mad, but also thank you for listening to my podcast. Yeah, <laughs> and let's crowdfund this band because you know you got me and you know you got Joseph, so let's make this happen. Yes, and that's all we really. You only need a three piece anyway. I've never yeah. played an instrument, but I, I I can less clay pull it, not a problem. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> all right, as I wrap up this interview, if you listened for almost two hours of this. I really appreciate it. You didn't have to, but I thank you. Matthew will um, be sending you a keychain or a medal. Well, maybe the metal probably won't get past the post office. <laughs> but what is this thing? <laughs> what are, What is the plans for every podcast I love is dead for 2022? Because it's only January. We barely started this year. Just scratching the surface, here. right? Um, well, I'd say I guess the most exciting thing is launching Punk Rock Cemetery. I wanted to do a punk rock show for a while. I missed the boat because then all of a sudden uh, the super cool radio was like, let's do all these cool radio blocks. And I was like, damn it. It's going to seem like I'm like, oh, look at what Matthew's doing. Now I'm going to do that, which uh, has been the case for a lot of things. But I launched, launched Punk Rock Cemetery, which is a one-hour punk rock show uh, that is hosted by DJNG. Not me, must be somebody different uh, with a very similar voice who loves punk rock. Um, so I'm having a lot of fun with that, in all honesty. Uh, keep doing the the Epaulette episodes, interviewing guests, bringing people aboard, on board. Um, and then, yeah, just building out that community and, and having some fun. And then also with Joseph working on uh, the Basic Ass Dudes podcast and making sure that we get more content out, I think, because he's now doing the Brutal Block uh, for Super Cool Radio. He's got the Cognitive Discourse going. We host Bad together. There's just a lot of irons in the fire. And it's funny, once you start creating, you kind of don't want to stop. And it's just like this addiction where you're like, I need to do something more. And and then you all of a sudden realize that you're a little bit overwhelmed. So I think Basic Ass Dudes is sort of taking a back seat, not intentionally, just because we have so much on the go. So getting some more content out for that podcast, uh, I think would be would be nice to see this year as well. Well, I definitely, I, I really enjoy the Punk Rock Cemetery. I actually enjoy Thank the you. show uh, in entirety as well, because it feels like an actual show. Thank you. Your, your intro, you got you know music clips, you, you know your news and entertainment, and obviously the interview too. Like I feel like you know I, I like you know my, the way I do my episodes, but honestly, you make it feel like an actual show. I just watched what you did, and then I was like, I'm going to add this. <laughs> okay. Well, honestly, actually, Joseph who pushed for like the the including different uh, shows and stuff. He actually approached me on that. I didn't wasn't planning on doing that this year, but honestly, it's helped out so much with other content falling through on my just for me yeah um for a variety of reasons that it's probably just me but <laughs> uh he's the one who actually has been helping me out a lot with with everything with you know the brutal block and i've actually got maybe another person join it we'll see we'll see not going to anything uh but not, i also can't say anything yet <laughs> but uh we'll, you know we'll see but i do like what everything you're doing um, obviously I'm very envious of your artwork cause it looks amazing every time <laughs> and I'm trying to get there just to beat you, but I have not successfully gotten there yet. Yours is great too, man. I think it, it delivers the message. Um, it conveys what the show is about and you highlight the artist, you make it all about the artist, which I think is what all of us intend to do and you do a great job of it. So hats Thanks. off to you. 
even though you're wearing a hat and I'm not. Yeah, headphones off, dude. Yeah, headphones off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to drop some links for every podcast love is that in the description. You have to say your, your Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, website, anchor channel, all of that great stuff. Thank you. Be that in the description. I'm not on the camera. There we go. In the description. <laughs> Make sure to check it out. Nolan, thank you so much for hanging out, hanging out with me here on Super Cool Radio. Fantastic time chatting with you for two hours. <laughs> thank you, my friend. It was a lot of fun. And of course, I Rose as always, Matthew Thomas. Thank you so much for watching and listening to Super Cool Radio. Stay frosty.